Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. In this episode, I sit down and do a recap of my deer season thus far and the lessons I've learned along the way. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to My Hunting Podcast. Thank you for listening, as always. Thanks for tuning in. So, yeah, I mean, we are a week into the 2023 deer season, and it's been it's been interesting. I'll say that. So, you know, going into the season, you know, I did quite a bit of scouting, trying to get you know prepared, and you know, getting some new areas, you know, going gone through and such, and had really high expectations about those sites and what I was going to, you know, come across or the deer that I was going to see. Started running some cameras and this is really kind of year two or three of really starting to run cameras, especially on the public land side. You know, I never really did that before, you know, I did, you know, long ago, but it wasn't something that I really liked doing all that much, especially because, you know, I was always afraid of, you know, people messing with my stuff or stealing cameras or whatnot. So, I really stayed away from running trail cameras on public land, and so I was kind of going in, you could say blind, I guess, in some areas, but, you know, as of the past few years, I started running cameras in more of some of the spots where, you know, I find, I'm finding areas that have really good sign, but I don't know, you know, what type of deer are in there, and if it's something that the deer are coming in at night, or, you know, what time of day, you know, am I wasting my time with this area that has this sign? Or, or is it only being utilized during, you know, during, you know, during dark and whatnot? Or is this an area that is actually a huntable area, you know, where deer are showing up during daylight and, you know, I, you know, potentially, you know, hunt this spot. So I've started running more cameras, uh, over the past couple of years. And this year, a lot of my spots that either had historical, uh, you know, data or deer movement or has, you know, historically, you know, has deer movement early on are were really coming up dry where i was getting some buck movement you know a lot of my spots did have you know what, what i would consider a target buck but unfortunately it was very random at best and there's no way for me to at least for my skill anyways to build to uh, you know pattern what type of what that movement was you know even on the farm that i hunt you know uh the main buck that I'm hunting has been showing up, you know, kind of randomly as well, where again, it's either random types of the day, not necessarily day, more or less at night, but you know, different wind directions comes from a different direction themselves. You know, it, it never really made any much sense as to what's going on. So, so going into this season, you know, I had several spots that had very good potential, but I didn't have any good actual intel that would suggest that if I were to go in, you know, opening day and, you know, be on a buck right away. So, so it's been kind of a transition from, you know, from that, you know, mindset of knowing that I don't really have the best Intel right now to how do I make the best of it essentially. So, so I'm going to go through kind of the hunts that I've gone through already, uh, as we are in the season. Cause I think that this has probably been one of the most, probably the, the season that I've learned the most so quickly in the season. You know, I've always really struggled really getting on deer uh, during the early season. You know, it's just something that I've never been really good at. 
and you know again I find areas that look promising and nothing but this year I've you know played it a lot more aggressively than I have in years past and not settled for the idea that you know I'm not going to get on deer you know early in the season so I'm going to go through some of my you know previous hunts and what I've learned you know basically each each one of those hunts you know it's been a while since especially so many hunts in a row or so much in one time frame but i feel like i learned a lot more than i would typically in a general season even uh, so i'm just going to go through some of those kind of recap on how the hunts went what i saw and then what the lesson was that pretty much came from each one of these hunts so but before i get into into those hunts i do want to give a quick reminder about uh, the new website again it's up and running it's at mihoneypodcast.com go over check it out it was going to be the collection of all the work uh for the show essentially so every every one of the podcasts are on there uh any of these videos that i'm doing as well those are all uploaded on there as well as well as we're getting uh, a batch of articles up and running we got a we're going to do a monthly newsletter that's going to just kind of give you some key dates some things to think about some current event type stuff as well as throwing a recipe or two and if certainly if you are a fan of the show you know head on over to the members section become a member you know, again it's going to support this show directly as well as give you access to additional content so you have a discount to all of the products at the store as well as access to a members only live show that we'll do once a month where i gather up some of my friends and we just kind of do a recap and kind of talk hunting stories and just kind of have a bs session essentially all right now that we got the plug out of the way let's go ahead and get into um how the season is going so right off the get-go you know i during opening day everyone knows you know here in michigan that it was a very warm uh opener yeah, i think we had temperatures in the 80s and initially again with my intel that i had i hadn't planned on actually doing a morning sit uh, for opening morning you know again the intel just doesn't you know suggest that you know i really needed to even though you know it would be kind of fun just to go out there for the for the tradition of it being out there opening morning but i really had planned on going out that evening to you know basically take advantage of that evening movement uh again basically with that big south wind that we had at the time too you know it kind of limited some of my hunting spots that i really wanted to uh i would rather go to and then also the fact that i didn't have the intel you know indicating that you know this would be a good movement time for a lot of those areas anyways i figured why burn that spot out right away so i went to uh, the pond area that i covered in a previous episode of basically this pond movement i figured with it being so hot that water was going to be a big uh you know thing so figured sit over water and hunt this new spot it worked pretty good for the south I believe it was a southwest wind that we had at the time. Uh, so I figured I'd go sit that. So got over there, came in from, you know, basically the downwind side of this water, sat on the far side of basically the two, you know, parts of the pond. So, you know, basically it's a little standing marsh area with a little peninsula that comes out that leads into a larger part of a pond, a larger open water pond area. I initially was setting up on the downward side of the marsh area basically overlooking that little peninsula you know potentially anticipating deer movement between that peninsula and using that as a crossing right off the get-go when i was setting up 
I had off on the distance out in a little island out in the main part of the pond was uh, essentially a, like a little fork horn that was out moving out on this little island, you know, moving basically from my left to right. And this was at 4.30 in the evening, so it was quite early yet. So, you know, basically with that island, you know, indicated that deer was bedded out on that little island, which I hadn't gone out there or gone out to that little island, uh, basically because it is surrounded by the you know larger pond. And it is, honestly, you know, I haven't figured out exactly where those deer must be crossing to get into there, but it's pretty muddy and pretty you know marshy all the way around that so there's got to be at least there's got to be a, a, a decent crossing for the deer to use i just hadn't located yet it looked like it was kind of impenetrable and that i wasn't anticipating that deer were going to be in that spot uh you know out on that island i figured it was too hard to get to but apparently they've got it figured out so after seeing that you know my basically my plan was at that point was to abandon where i was move up to the main part of the pond closer to that island uh where that where that uh small buck was out you know wandering around you know that island essentially was bigger than what i could see in that little strip of the peninsula that i was looking through or that little pinch point for the crossing so i moved up there and you know basically anticipating that you know if this if there's one deer out there there could be more and i wanted to have a better vantage point of that larger area to you know basically kind of do a better observation set essentially so crept up over there got set up unfortunately the 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 understory and the the canopy was so thick that i was able to only be able to hunt you know maybe four or five feet off the ground essentially at this point if i got any higher you know i couldn't see through the brush and wouldn't be able to have any uh shots you know either towards the pond or even back into the cover that I had previously crossed because there were several trails from that crossing that I did end up crossing over to get to the new spot. So I wanted to be able to have a shot where I could go back to, you know, back into the cover and still shoot as well as be able to shoot at that little island where basically I put myself, you know, at the furthest it was, um, you know, it was out of range, but I could shoot the edge of that. So if a deer was in there, I could potentially have a shot uh, within range. So that first night, sitting out there, no other deer were moving in the in that little island area. I did have some does come across from the far end. Basically, it looked like they had come down off the ridge. That was, you know, basically a pretty steep slope above the pond, and then there was a plateau up there where they're. I'm assuming they were bedded up there. While sitting there, you know, I kept overlooking, you know, checking behind my shoulder, you know, making sure that there weren't any deer coming down that trail. Uh, basically to cross between the two areas of the pond glanced over my shoulder one time and saw a flash of there's a flash of black in the in the leaves and you know at first i thought it was a squirrel because i had heard some squirrels run around but you know i didn't hear any more movement and it was that skirt that you know telltale scurrying of a squirrel so didn't think much of it after that and then next thing i know a couple minutes later look over again and here comes a black bear waltzing down the trail that uh basically i was hoping that deer would be going down so bear ended up hitting my ground scent and at that point started kind of milling around sniffing around clearly trying to figure out you know who was in the area or what had gone through you know at that point you know just kind of sitting there watching the bear 
and then eventually it started coming down the path uh, to to wherever I was, and you know at this point it was probably about 20 yards, and then it started creeping in, made it to about 10 yards of me. At this part, I did start get a little nervous, where you know again I'm only about four feet off the ground, at least at my feet level, and you know I'm tethered into the tree and whatnot, so you know this you know going off the deep end and thinking that this bear gets aggressive i'm stuck to this tree well within its reach uh but certainly again you know at that point the bear but then proceeded just a million out and then you know at that time it was about you know 10 minutes dark at that point figured get down and you know start closing my back way back to the vehicle so with that hunt again pretty interesting having that bear encounter you know it's a good indication that you know, my setup was pretty solid that even that bear, um, you know, didn't get unsettled with it. So it did hit that ground scent. Now, if I'm sure if a deer would have hit that, they probably would have reacted a little bit more differently. But it was basically one of those things where I saw, you know, that deer off in the distance. And instead of just sitting where I was and thinking that, like, okay, just, you know, seeing that deer and, you know, just kind of making a mental note of it, realizing that I need to get closer to be able to see more of that area which normally in the past i wouldn't do that i wouldn't necessarily get down you know especially you know opening day and you know make a move that aggressively to try to push in closer you know i did cross over that where that water crossing is you know that was kind of on, on the back of my mind about the the potential of kind of blowing everything out you know right off the get-go knowing that i'm crossing over where these deer are potentially crossing one thing I did again have is that that camera intel that was over that crossing was pretty limited. So again, I didn't have you know a ton of X or a ton of intel or data that would suggest that there were a lot of deer moving through there. So I figured the risk to the reward of moving in and be able to see that larger pond area and overlook that island that there were clearly deer moving on uh, was you know wor worth the risk essentially. So with that, you know again moving in the closer onto the water. You know, I usually, usually I'm punting relatively close to water as is, but I, so I usually don't sit right on top of water like I did this time. And then also, you know, making the move to, to get closer to be able to have an even better um, observation. So, you know, I certainly keep that in mind, you know, going forward to of, you know, if I'm in a new spot and it just doesn't seem right, usually I would, wouldn't have the confidence to make the move to where I think is the better option. So that leads us into this next weekend where, you know, again, we had that really big cold front come through. Unfortunately, that cold front came along with a bunch of rain, uh, which made it kind of more difficult to decipher exactly when and where to sit, essentially. So, you know, looking at the forecast, you know, we're going to get that, you know, significant drop in the temperature uh, towards the end of the week into the weekend. What I was really hoping for was with that rain is that it was going to have, you know, bouts of rain where it was going to rain quite a bit and then stop and then, you know, start up again later, a little bit later. But it was based on the forecast, it was really hard to determine if that was going to be the case. So kind of went into it just kind of open-minded as to when and where I was going to potentially set up. So the next hunt that I did was, again, back into another spot that, again, I covered on the uh, scouting episode I just put out recently you know this is an area that I had you know had my eye on in previous times but hadn't really hunted yet and you know, with the wind direction and the colder temperature I fear this might be a good time to move into 
that staging area and you know sit on that with the wind it was kind of the wind was kind of in my favor but it was right on that verge of being a bad wind for the area which again usually i wouldn't make this uh move or sit in this spot this early in the season but i've been wanting to kind of push the limits a little bit more in regards to the uh, the type of wind that I hunt, you know, certainly in years past, I'd hunted where the winds, you know, 100% in my favor. There's no way they could win me. And it just seemed like sometimes that, you know, some of those spots I picked, like, yeah, they worked for me, but it may not have been necessarily, you know, based on the wind direction and the direction that the deer might feel comfortable with going where the wind is absolutely not in their favor. Now, certainly I've seen and have even killed deer that, you know, are walking with the wind to their back, you know, not, not putting their nose in the wind or anything like that. But I certainly, you know, understand that, you know, deer, if they have the wind in their favor, they're going to feel much more comfortable. And I figured in this spot where deer are, you know, I did actually have some intel of some deer uh, daylight and a buck daylight in, in that spot that maybe if it's, you know, just a good enough wind for the deer, whereas in my wind's just off enough that, you know, they'll feel safe going in there thinking that there's absolutely nothing there. <clears throat> and potentially give me a shot now again the risk is that if the wind switches at all or swirls at all in there that you know the jig could be up so ultimately you know with that wind it did go in there and swirl a little bit you know there were times where i could feel that wind you know change a little bit i was doing a lot of milkweed drops and seeing what the wind was doing and every so often it would switch just a little bit and then move back in the direction that was you know more favorable um, for the spot so, you know, again, it's one of those things that like, if you're in that little hub or in a, a bowl, even, you know, there's a reason why there's usually a lot of sign in those, or when you find an area that has a lot of sign, it's in instances, I think like that, where, you know, they get in there and the reason they feel secure in there and feel comfortable being able to be in there is probably a lot of times that that wind is, is swirling in there and they're able to get a nose full of what's around them. You know, I, I've seen it before. I've, you know, I've even listened to people talk about it where you had these bowls that wind just swirls around. It takes weird turns sometimes where the wind just kind of bounces off things just right. And it just pulls that scent just ever so slightly back into the area or into that bowl. And I think that's what uh, this area has going for it. You know, even with the prevailing wind that was relatively strong in most cases, you know, it wasn't until the last hour of light where it really started to, you know, calm down. And, you know, some of those thermals I think were taking an effect too. Is, you know, it wasn't until then that the deer started moving into that spot. Now, you know, again, it's one of those things where, you know, I was hoping that, you know, a buck would come through a certain direction. As I had seen in the, in the camera intel. Buck was a no-show. I did have some does show up uh, late in the you know the last few minutes of light i was actually starting to tear down my setup and basically from behind me it started you know that's where the deer were coming from which kind of caught me off guard because you know basically that was the direction where i'd come in from and so basically what i'm looking at is i've got thick cover in front of me with this little bowl with a little bit of open area kind of a marshy marshy spot with some you know different plants growing in there than what's around the rest of it behind that 
some mature pines. Behind that is a very thin strip of cedar that I used as my access point. And then behind that is a larger clear cut. So I figured the deer were coming from the thicker cover, moving up, you know, basically towards me, heading towards that clear cut. These couple of does were doing the exact opposite. They were heading from the clear cutting or from basically from behind me. So they could have been in the pines. It could have been in the cedars. Both of those are unlikely because I'd come through there um, and would have potentially kicked them out of there, which I didn't hear any deer get up or spook as I was coming in. So they must have been either further into that clear cut or further off to, you know, my right hand side and came, you know, basically my direction and then headed uh, towards that opening. And then lastly, there was a final doe that was up on my left hand side that started blowing just from the noise I was making, uh, trying to get out of there. So with that one, again, looking at the, the wind, especially in some of those terrain areas where you get those kind of those hubs or those areas where, you know, it seems to just be that little, again, a hub of deer movement or a concentration deer movement. You know, I'm starting to learn more and more that, especially if you're starting to, if you're going to work with a more aggressive wind, it's going to be more challenging in those areas because the way the terrain sets up or the, the cover or the tree structure, the wind does, is going to move around in there a little bit more than what you would typically, you know, deal with in an area that, you know, doesn't have those same features. It just seems like that wind, even though it's coming off, you know, even if it's blowing in your face, even you can start to feel or see that milkweed, you know, pull around and it just kicks off to the side and kind of loops back for some reason. You know, again, I'm not sure if it's bounced off the terrain or just found the curvature of the, of the ground or the, again, the way the hills are rising or the elevation, I don't know, but it's certainly something that, you know, you can't really anticipate until you get in there and really dump that milkweed out or use your scent checker to see exactly what that wind does while you're in there. Cause yeah, I mean, most of the time in that spot, the, air, the wind was going one direction, just flowing it perfectly right off the edge of where I think the deer are going to be thinking that my scent was safe. And then next thing I know, I could just feel it pull just a little bit different and, and, you know, cause a different, you know, situation in that regard. And then another hunt I went on was, you know, this was going to be a morning sit where, you know, basically I was going up into the hill country, up into some bluffs to hunt that, you know, basically we had, you know, I've talked about this area in depth before where, you know, we've pushed it during rifle season. I, this is the same area that I shot my doe out on the lakeshore. And there's a, a particular bull area, again, another bull area where I'm trying to get into where I hunted last year. And, you know, even though I have prevailing wind in my favor, the way that the wind was coming off the lakeshore, it would pull the wind down and then suck it right back up again. So this time I came in from the other side, came from not the lakeshore side, but from the far side, had a strong prevailing west wind and figured, you know, at least nothing else I could get in there, see exactly what's going on. So I know that in times past I had a deer bedded in that area and I know that that's kind of a cruising area as well, you know, basically getting from one, one point to another for a lot of these deer. So I snuck in there, uh, you know, basically as I was walking in, you know, there's an area where you kind of like a stationary by an old farmhouse and you know, that's kind of where you can either kind of take a left or right to get up into those hills here. 
And as I started making my way, start seeing some eyes in my headlamp. And, you know, as I'm making my way up past it, finally the deer jumps up and realized it was a, a younger buck. He was bedded up on this hill, basically overlooking the 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 little staging area by the farmhouse so you know it's funny we've always talked about when you go in there that you never know that there's could be deer right up on that hill and sure enough there's a buck bedded right you know basically up on the hill overlooking that area and being able to see anything that's coming down that trail because uh, that trail is known for a lot of people that's walking around uh, going for hikes and whatnot so it was funny to see that that buck was you know sitting there and he could observe anything moving down down below and then immediately jump up, turn into the cover right behind him. But as I got up in there, you know, got set up in the spot, sitting on the ground, kind of gillied up, sitting in some brush and whatnot. There was a, a, an apple tree that was actually had a lot of apples within 40 yards where I was sitting. So I figured maybe this would be a good spot. Ultimately sat for about an hour, no deer movement. And it was pretty windy, you know, where that bull was. It was sucking a lot of air up off the lake shore. So I decided to get out of there and take advantage of those higher winds and just do some still hunting, maybe do a spot and stalk, whatever, you know, kind of uh, opportunity to present itself as I make my way back towards the vehicle. I figure I kind of loop around, do some scouting. As I was going through, you know, basically kind of walking through the through this patch of woods between the open field down by the where the farmhouse was and a larger ridge up on a, onto another bluff. Walking that strip of woods came into a bunch of fresh sign where you know basically there was you know scrapes that had been probably made that morning or even the night before there was a rub that it was so fresh that you could still smell the sap uh from the from that bar getting stripped off the tree you could so started getting pretty excited about that with the fresh intel you know the scrape was you know open up pretty good so it wasn't you know this kind of an impromptu uh, scrape it looked like it was best definitely in a spot where there had been uh, scrapes made before so that historical you know sign that this is an area where you know it's not just a one-off scrape this is an area that bucks routine proceeded to keep scouting and started coming across where it looked like a rub line was getting developed or had been developed again same thing fresh rubs mixed in with historical rubs you can see the old trees that are all scarred up you know, basically at this point, started pulling out my phone to start, you know, dropping pins of marking these this area. And next thing I look over on my right or on my left hand side, and there's a group of does standing just inside the the wood line. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, they spotted me at the same time I spotted them. They spooked off, so I finished making my pin, slide my phone back in my pocket, I turn turn to my right, and next thing I know, I see a big body deer. You know, probably about you know, 56 yards out, just on the other side is little, basically it was kind of like a, a bit of a clearing. There were still some mature trees in there, um, but it was kind of like where the, some of the grasses have grown and some, some additional weeds kind of gave, grew, grew in just from, you know, a couple of deadfalls that had fallen in there and just opened up that canopy a little bit, allows a little more sunlight. So it's a little more vegetation in there. Uh, you know, at that point, you know, I ducked behind a tree real quick and you know i'm basically trying to struggle to get my grunt tube out of my pocket of my backpack to try to hopefully grunt at him peak his in interest get his curiosity going a little bit and hopefully draw him in to within bow range 
ultimately he made it down into the woods down down a little bit of a hill into a valley before i get that <laughs> grunt tube out so i tried scooting up basically on top of this little ridge to overlook where he was but ultimately by the time i got over there he had either spooked from you know either hearing me or had just made it off to where i couldn't see him anymore in the time that took me to get up there so finished scouting that area out lots of fresh rubs in the area lots of uh you know scrapes again there weren't really you know a big community scrape that you you know would really want to get excited about uh, but there were definitely some fresh ones along this kind of again basically ultimately what it does is it kind of funnels in the small valley down to a point that leads into a main trail where the main where it looks like the main trail that gets taken up for bedding up on top of this bluff on top of this you know ridge top where it kind of creates a little bowl up inside there i learned about this spot last season when going up in there and you know basically doing that late season hunt found a lot of fresh beds up there so i anticipated that there would be a lot of deer up in there so in scouting the area again found lots of, of rubs in there and scrapes that kind of funneled down following that terrain again you looking at the terrain features Whereas it's just kind of that low point down in the, in, it was not real significant, but it funnels them down or funnels that movement down to the single point where it looks like this, that's the trail that they take going up. So kind of made an impromptu my scrape, you know, looked at an older scrape that I basically kind of carved out a bigger area with my foot and set up a camera on it and just hoping to see, you know, kind of what's in the area. You know, I did see that you know, get the encounter with that one buck, but I wanted to see how consistent that movement was. And, you know, if that was a frequent area of deer use or just, you know, again, looking to see when they're utilizing it, how often they are. So in the next hunt, you know, basically at this point is another evening hunt looking to, uh, set up on a food source. Now, again, this is another area that I've hunted before in the past. And, you know, I talked about it again in previous episodes where, you know, this is an area that had a, a white oak patch. So this year, you know, and scouting it and, you know, maintaining camera on it, I did notice that the acorn drop or the, you know, the crop anyways, was not nearly as significant as it was last year. So there still had some acorns, but it certainly looked like they were either, you know, smaller or it certainly didn't produce nearly as many as it did last year. So you know, thinking or seeing that, you know, realizing that it's not going to have the same draw that it did last year, but there was still, you know, that potential that you were going to still utilize those uh, white oaks or at least, you know, eat on them. But I knew that it wasn't going to have the, the number of deer that it did last year. Camera Intel, again, suggested the same thing. You know, there's a, a few deer every couple of days in there, but not like it was, you know, the year before where it was almost on a daily course this morning and evening where those deer were moving in there. Also, you know, at this point hadn't you know, gotten any pictures of any mature bucks, uh, cruising the area or coming through the area. So, you know, it was one of those things that I was going to come into the area, pull the car card out of the camera real quick, check out the pictures on the camera. If I didn't get any actual, uh, Intel that there's a buck in the area, then I was going to move on and hunt a little bit different area uh, on the property. So sure enough, pulled the card out of the camera and kind of as expected, a lot of, uh, you know, false triggers even, and then, you know, a few does 
and then one night of a buck coming in at like you know 12 o'clock 1 a.m he checked out the scrape and then that was it so at that point decided just to move on and do a little bit of again same thing kind of some still hunting scouting and work my way in until i found an area that had some more significant sign basically knowing that another part of the property you know there was a lot of you know basically an old clear cut where a bunch of uh you know poplar saplings was growing in and was gonna you know, kind of utilize that again an area where i'd seen you know historical rubs before let's go figure go check that out basically you know kind of made my way through that area scouted it out found one big uh oak tree that had definitely some fresh shine under it you know some fresh scat but again it was one of those things where you know no significant sign other than you know the feeding so i really had to debate on whether i'm going to sit on this oak tree where i could have you know a little bit of an observation sit and you never know what's going to come through ultimately i decided that you know, it just wasn't enough sign. It wasn't any significant buck sign, no fresh rubs, a scrape anywhere where I'm just like, you know what? It's, it's a good spot, but I'm not hundred percent sold on it. So I'm going to keep going. Proceeded to scout around, did have a couple encounters with some deer that, you know, basically I kind of ran into, um, as I was scouting around, cause again, evening hunt, some of the deer were up starting to get moving, had a pretty fun encounter with a, a spike cord that you know, he was up feeding and, you know, at that, at that point, it's kind of like he was kind of in between me and where I was trying to get to. So I had to play a little bit of a game of get around him without spooking him and, you know, kind of keep an eye on him and make sure there was no other deer around the area, uh, hanging out with him. So again, that night, you know, another prime example of the conditions just weren't right. I didn't have good Intel. So why sit on something that I don't have confidence in anyways, proceeded to move on did that scouting ultimately didn't end up getting anything didn't see a whole lot but you know worth the shot of trying to go out and learn a little bit more and you know see if there's a better opportunity somewhere else <clears throat> then this leads us into the last and final hunt of the weekend that i feel like was the the most productive and the most that i learned so ultimately went back to the spot right on the camera where i got all that actual intel and had that encounter with a buck over by the lakeshore and you know at that point you know i kind of had an idea of where, about what i wanted to do where i wanted to set up you know i was wanting to set up somewhere down in that valley uh basically be able to see the base of the bridge and you know catch deer as they're coming off that that valley and you know potentially ambush in that in that regard Took about the three quarter mile walk into that area. And by the time I got there, you know, again, I was trying to remember as I was walking in exactly what the tree structure looked like in that area as to would I be able to, be able to hang my you know tree saddle in? Would I have a good shot opportunity? You know, that type of thing. So as I got up in there, um, or actually as I was walking in, as I was getting up to the top, getting close to where I was wanting to go, you know, I did bump a doe and, uh, or at least a couple of does anyways, out of their bed. They must've been bed up on a little bit of a ridge off to my right as I was walking in. They heard me coming in from there. They spooked a little bit, didn't blow and it didn't sound like they went too far. So I was able to sneak down the rest of the way and get into position. 
you know, in this area, I on the, you know, him and Han quite a bit about how I wanted to set up. You know, the wind was again more or less in my favor, but it was kind of a crosswind, and you know, with the the way the valley shaped up, you know, my scent would get blown, you know, over, you know, past my face, and then down, and potentially had that potential to swirl around behind me down below. And then ultimately, you know, the tree structure was thick enough where, you know, if I wanted to get up in the air, I'd have a hard time of having multiple shots without having to shoot through a bunch of trees or through a bunch of branches. So, you know, considered sitting on the ground or, you know, basically I moved further to my right up on the hill a little bit away from where the, you know, initial uh, trail comes through where it was a little more open. There was a few more mature, uh, you know, mature canopy up there where it was a little more open. I had more shot opportunities. Uh, you know, basically I had an option where I could sit right up on top and basically overlook that valley below and have a shot to the right. Again, looking at the wind though and knowing that it was an evening hunt and that my thermals were going to potentially get sucked down that side hill. You know, ultimately I moved a little bit further to my right again a little bit further away from where i wanted to be um, i was actually outside of the shooting range of the original scrape that i had made with the with my camera on it you know ultimately if i'm especially if i do a my scrape like that i generally want to put it in a spot that i can hunt from so but unfortunately with this you know the way the wind was and my comfort level being able to get an accurate shot in and manage to win at the same time you know i end up had to pull away from that area a little bit so basically what happened is that once I'm on this little flat, there's a little tiny, tiny little valley that kind of went behind me and would basically follow the little finger ridge down away from the area. So I figured if, you know, with the wind direction and when the thermals kick in of dropping the scent down, the idea was hopefully it would pull my scent down that valley and not down the valley where the deer were potentially coming out of. Ultimately, with the you know, with that wind kind of crossing, you know, across my face, it basically did that again. Unfortunately, uh, the wind was a little variable and I did have a little bit of swirling going on in there. Uh, but for the most part, I was right in the regard of th that wind, um, you know, got sucked down that valley. I would throw the milkweed out and it would do exactly what I was hoping for, uh, you know, 80% of the time. So that's it again ended up being the most productive i did have a young uh fork horn come through uh pretty early in the evening it was a couple hours still before dark he came from basically that direction that i anticipate that deer would be coming from he came about the valley he did kind of sneak up on me with it being so windy and then the the amount of you know foliage uh from the leaf cover you know he was already pretty much in bow range by the time i saw him unfortunately because of me you know going up along that up on top of that little top you know he did hit my ground scent and it did seem like it made him a little nervous and then with my scent being uh swirled around a little bit in the area as he got a little bit closer uh it, he did pick up on my scent and then eventually kind of move you know moved away from the area didn't really get spooked out you know out completely and head back where he came from he just kind of went out down and around behind me um out of view essentially the next encounter i had was with a doe and her spike fawn essentially you know they came actually from my base my right shoulder from behind me 
They came up into the flat. Same thing. They caught a little bit by wind. That doe was awfully nervous, but they ended up hanging around for probably 30 minutes or so. While sitting there, saw another doe off in the distance out in front of me. You know, basically that one was probably a good 100 yards out, but I could see, you know, in this more open area that I had chosen, you could see out there ways and see that the deer was kind of milling around. So that other deer got that, that doe's attention. While sitting there, uh, another doe and her fawn came up from the trail that, again, mostly where I mostly anticipate most of the movement coming from. Unfortunately, same thing. Eventually, they hit that line where my scent was blowing from and spooked as well. So from there, you know, that was about the wrap up of the night. You know, I ended up getting down and, you know, did a little bit of a quick scout real quick before it got completely dark. Ended up finding, uh, you know, another scrape on a, on a trail that was, you know, was in front of me by about 15 yards off to my right there, about 20 yards out. There was another fresh scrape that was made. So from there, after I got packed up, ran over to pull the card out of the camera because I was curious to see if the, you know, even in that short time frame of just a couple of days, how much deer movement there was. And to my surprise, you know, there was a significant amount of movement. Uh, you know, basically from day one of setting up the camera, there were bucks that were in that scrape. Uh, that little fork horn that I saw earlier in the evening, he actually worked that scrape before he made it over to me. So, uh, you know, very promising of that, the amount of deer movement, you know, seeing all those does, you know, filter through the area, having the buck movement. I did get one uh, glimpse of a buck on a on the trail camera where, you know, basically it was unfortunately probably the worst quality picture of the whole batch, but a significant rack on this deer. Again, unfortunately that one was at night, but it was a good indicator that there is a mature uh, buck that I would consider, you know, a shooter buck uh, in the area. So it's definitely one that I would, uh, you know, consider going back to. So with this spot too, you know, being in the evening hunt and the way the wind was, you know, I got to be a little more careful when regards to the wind direction. I can't be as aggressive with that kind of that off wind or that off shoulder wind uh, because it cause swirling there a little bit. Also, you know, thinking the idea of potentially coming in there in the morning hunt instead of an evening hunt where you know even if there's deer that come in behind you uh unless they hit the ground scent potentially you have those morning thermals pulling your scent up and pulling you know pulling some of that scent away where deer might be a little more comfortable even coming down uh potentially downwind of you or at least getting closer to you before they really hit your significant scent uh this spot with the amount of intel the number of deer that i saw you know i'm really looking at you know things really heating up Especially when we hit that pre-rut or you know just before that you know the actual rut kicks off you know I think that this is a good staging area travel corridor that has a lot of deer in it so the potential for you know a, a big buck to come through uh, you know checking these scrapes hitting these one of these scrapes and just using it as our travel corridor looking for does and whatnot uh, that spot so far has got me the most excited in regards to its potential. So the kind of the biggest things that I, the biggest takeaways I'm having with this is the idea of when you're aggressive and you're, you're hunting with an off wind that being, uh, thoughtful about what your, what your, how you're going to mitigate any risk of 
the wind swirling. You know, there's some things that, like that first spot that I went to where the wind was swirling, you know, I, I don't know how much of an option I had to adjust for that. But then, you know, come to the second spot, uh, down by, you know, for that last hunt, you know, knowing that I was going to get some swirling winds, you know, affecting that, we setting up to where I can mitigate that as much as possible. I think I would have had a little bit more success too if I hadn't uh, kind of been milling around trying to figure out where I'm going to set up. So now that I've got the spot or the tree essentially picked out that I want, you know, being able to not leave as much ground scent is going to be beneficial as well. Um, and then also, you know, looking at weather patterns and whatnot, you know, again, we always usually get like kind of an early season cold front, at least most years we do. And I think they're good. I think they do get some deer up on their feet more than if it was just the stagnant weather. Now, I don't, I've come to the realization that I'm not going to get excited as I have uh, in years past about it. Just knowing that, you know, it's still early season. It's still, you know, we're several weeks away from, uh, you know, the rut. So, yes, some deer will get up a little bit earlier. Some may get up to feed more. They may move around a little bit more. But it's not going to have the impact like a cold front in late October is going to have. So, you know, I take that a little bit of a grain of salt. Like, will I complain about a cold front? No. Am I going to get all amped up like I did this year, thinking that's going to be super great? No, I'm not going to do that again either. So the outlook for the weeks to come, again, I'm looking at a lot of those uh, transition areas or staging areas. You know, ultimately, I'm starting to realize that like that's really the, the thing I focus on the most or a lot of the areas that I hunt are on those staging areas where I find a concentration of deer sign, whether that's a bunch of trails, rubs, scrapes, uh, food source, where I kind of can, where I can pack all that into an area where I know that their deer are bedding over here somewhere. They're coming through here and then they're going off to a bigger food source over there and trying to catch them in between. You know, there's lots of hunters that will, you know, they'll, they'll target those, those bedding areas or they'll target the food source, you know, especially on public land, you know, the food sources usually are too big of an area, or I find that it's inconsistent as to when those deer are going to show up. A lot of times it's showing up right at last light or if they show up at all. A lot of times when pushing in the bedding area, again, I don't have the skill set or enough practice doing that where I don't feel confident of going in there and not buggering them up. You know, I've done that in the past where I've, you know, sat in or headed into an area where I thought a deer was bedded and got in there and nothing, no show. So then I start questioning, did I, you know, spook the deer out? And that's why they're not there. Did they go another direction? I don't know. So that's why I focus on mainly those transition areas or those travel corridors. A lot of times you get in those deer that, you know, you get them out there before the food source, where it's going to be potentially dark by the time they get there and you're not pushing into their bedding area, you can get a, a lot of times get in there. Deer pass through, you're able to get out without spooking too many deer as well because they're not milling around or hanging around too long. So so those are, again, those areas that I'm realizing that those are my kind of my core areas that I like to focus on. Um, you know, that's where I seem to have the most success. And then also, you know, looking at, you know, just kind of waiting it out for that pre-rut time frame with a lot of those corridors, with a lot of those scrapes uh, and rub areas that I'm focusing on, just knowing that 
as we get later into October, the potential for the deer activity is going to increase. And that's when I should really focus in on those spots um, and feel pretty confident about, you know, those areas. So that's it, uh, basically on the hunt so far with pushing kind of my comfort zone on some of these areas by pushing the wind and just scouting more areas when I'm not convinced about sitting on the area, you know, too many times in years past, I've sat on a spot and, you know, thinking like, yeah, there's, this is, this is a good spot. They gotta be here. They're going to show up and then sitting there and then not seeing anything and just being all frustrated about what the whole situation, you know, came down to, you know, now it's far more, um, active or far more aggressive of if I don't think this spot's going to be it, then I'm not going to sit here essentially, you know, even those earlier observation sits, you know, moving in on a spot, uh, where I think this, the odds are better, or even where I can see more essentially, you know, having the confidence to again, change your mind or once you're in the, in a spot, knowing that, you know, this may not be the, the right spot and knowing that, Hey, maybe over there is better and then go ahead and making that move. But again, we'll see what happens with the rest of the season. You know, still very early and, you know, even though I'm optimistic, there's always that chance that I'm still off the mark in some regard and I'm missing something. So I'm going into it with, uh, kind of my usual, the high hopes, but low expectations. Um, I guess I would change that a little bit to high hopes and, you know, medium expectations. So I'm going to wrap it up with that and, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes best of luck to all of you out there good congratulations to everyone that's already you know got their deer for the year or has you know harvested deer at this point and then for the rest of us you know again good luck to you and as always get out there be safe and have fun